0: Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me, if you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well hey there my witchy friends, welcome to another episode of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. I am so happy to be here with you after a much needed one week break. I have to tell you that after recording 20 episodes each week since January without missing a beat was a lot. I know these episodes are only about 20 minutes, but they do take me some time and they definitely take some inward and outward energy to create. And I really needed to grant myself a little bit of grace. I've been focusing on my business a lot, along with a full-time day job and all of the other things that go along with just living life. And it's really important, and I'm sharing this with you because it's important for all of us, that we recognize when it is that we need a break. I sent an email out about a week or so ago to my VIP list, and in that email I shared that I may be closing the retail merchandise side of my business. I started this business a year ago and while I love witchy merchandise and I love going through the buying experience and trying to find things that I think my customers will love too, it's a huge time drain on me. And from a financial standpoint, I lost more money than I made. So it's just something that I think is probably not feasible going forward. But I do want to move the inventory that's here. I want to be able to free up some room and free up some cash in order to put that into other aspects of my business and kind of move on. You know, that's part of life. I said to myself, okay, so this part of my business, it's a time drain, it's a money drain, but is it bringing me any joy or any fulfillment? Because maybe there are other things to consider. And I I can tell you that the answer to that is a big fat no. (laughs) So that's how I know it's time for me to let that go. The good thing for you is I do have this merchandise that's sitting here and I'm offering it at some really great prices. So go check it out at lilithamberly.com. Being able to share information and share experiences with you, being able to hear your questions and to be able to carry on that witchy dialogue, that's important to me being able to create courses is important to me and it's for two reasons one i want to be able to share what i've learned with you i've been doing this for more than a decade it's been a lot of trial and error and i want to be able to share my successes and my failures along the way with other people so that way you don't have to spend 10 years trying to figure it out if you don't want to I know many of you are fairly close to my own age, and that's kind of right there in the middle. I'll be 50 this year, and I don't wanna spend the next 10 years trying to figure out something that may or may not work. You know, witchcraft is a journey, I get that, and you learn so much from doing and having some trial and error along the way, but if I would've had someone who could cut through some of the bullshit for me and gave me some real-life practical things that I could do every day on an ongoing basis for specific things, that would have been a huge help. The other thing for me is that I really like this podcast and I like course creation because it is creation. It's the creation part of it. I'm the kind of person that I need a creative outlet in my life, no matter what it is that I'm doing. And I don't get much of that in my day job. So this definitely helps fill that gap for me. I shared in the last episode how all that deep water energy was really leaving me feel a bit heavy. I was struggling with that, but it forced me to spend some time reflecting on what's important to me, what's bringing me joy and fulfillment in my life and what isn't. I drew a card for myself to help bring clarity to the situation and I pulled from my Wildwood deck. I don't normally read from this deck but this was the first deck that i was ever exposed to so i've always had this special relationship with it and the card that i drew was the three of bows and in that card is associated with fulfillment i'll read the brief description and meaning for you so you can get a feel for the card it says a robed figure stands at the junction of two ways one hand raised in blessing the other holding a bow two bow staves made from freshly cut branches trimmed but still rough hewn stand planted in the earth on either side of the road, forming a gateway through which the figure offers welcome to the approaching traveler. And the meaning is nourishment from a spiritual source gives inner security and joy. Goals and desires are reached, making life rich with emotional scrutiny and a sense of completion. So that's what I'm going to focus on going forward. Over this past year, I feel like I've started to lose something along the way. While going down this path of bringing my witchcraft and my magical practice into a business to reach other people, I started to lose that connection of my own actual spiritual practice and the witchcraft in my own life, and a lot of that is really for lack of time and i want to make sure that the things i'm sharing that i'm still also doing because these practices have shaped my life in such a meaningful and fulfilling way and i don't want to lose that i don't want this to start becoming one more thing that i need to do i want it to continue to be something that I want to do. In addition to closing out my retail business, at least over the course of the summer here, I'm going to cut back my podcast episodes to twice a month. So they will be every other week. If I can get one in in between, we'll just call that a bonus, but I'm going to aim for every other week. That way I have time to think through my content, not feel rushed about it, and not feel like I'm burning out on trying to get all of the things done. So that's kind of where I've been. That's what's been going on behind the scenes in my life. So as I've been working my way through this, I also spent some time reflecting on the parts of my witchcraft that makes me happy. You know, what makes me feel at home? What makes my life feel magical? I spend a lot of time talking about focusing on practicing success magic. It is absolutely part of who I am. It's the part that feeds that inner drive in me to get things done. I sometimes have trouble with the magic in the stillness of life, that subtle magic. I'm the kind of witch that needs to make sure I pause for the magic all around me. You know, I need to remind myself to do that. So I want to take this opportunity over these summer months to step back a little bit and make sure that I'm reconnecting with what drew me to this work in the first place. I need to get back to nature. I need to get back to sitting still and daydreaming. I need to get back to working my daily routines with intention. The first few years, I did a tremendous amount of reading and dabbling, if you will. And as I started to get more serious about my practice, the first things that I was really drawn to were the household witchery things, the kitchen witching things. I became exposed to herbalism through this path. I've not only taken a deep dive into herbs from a magical and mystical perspective, but from a physical and clinical perspective as well spending time with the plants and time in the kitchen with them are some of the things that I really love, yet I feel like I don't get enough time to practice. So I'm going to spend the next couple episodes talking about those parts of my practice that I need to reconnect with so we can kind of take this journey together over the summer. I want to focus on those parts of my practice that Bring that magic back to the everyday. This is the magic you create when you're not trying to set out and accomplish some great big goal. It's the magic that makes you experience the enchantment of the world around you on an ongoing basis. So let's start with a little taste of kitchen witchery today. When I first started my practice, back before anyone knew what I was doing, I created my first altar and it was hidden in plain sight right there in the middle of my kitchen near my stovetop. I had a candle, I had some incense that I burned regularly, I had a little dish of water, and I had a plant. And I had that there for quite some time. I'm talking maybe six months or maybe even a year before my husband realized what it was. And that's only because I started sharing little pieces of what I was doing with him. No one else ever knew what it was, and it was really starting to bring so much subtle magic into my life every day. I wasn't bringing out all the things. This was before I was creating elaborate ritual space. I wasn't working with deities and other spirits. I was just using the energy of what was around me in my home and garden for casting simple spells. This was more so stirring the magic into the pot, if you will, of every day. I need to look at what my everyday magic used to look like and then bring some of that back because it really was the basis for the things I would learn as my practice evolved. I started looking back through some of those early resources that I had and I don't think I even realized it until recently how much I was influenced and still am influenced by Scott Cunningham. Scott was a practicing witch and Wiccan. He was born in 1956. He died at a very young age, I want to say in his mid-30s, maybe 35 or 36, and he spent most of his life in California. He became interested in Wicca and witchcraft as a very young man and went on to author numerous books on the topic. One of the most widely read was Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. This book, when I read it really spoke to me because while I was never a practicing Wiccan per se, I am an introvert. I'm a kind of a loner, if you will. It's my comfort zone. So anything about being a solitary practitioner was right up my alley. So that was my first exposure, I think, to Scott's work. You know, it was that book. And while there's some perspectives in it that I don't necessarily agree with for myself now that I found my own path this was still an instrumental book to me as a new witch. Another one of the books that Scott wrote, and I keep it in my kitchen to this day, is his Encyclopedia of Wicket in the Kitchen. It's such a great collection of, you know, the different foods and their magical properties associated with them. There's a whole list in there of the foods, the planetary correspondences, the elemental energy that are associated with them, practical magical uses. It's still a go-to resource for me. So highly recommend it. If you don't have it, check that one out. Okay, so let's head over to the kitchen and start by thinking how magic is incorporated into many of the practices that we don't really think about as being magical or as being witchcraft. So how about when we celebrate with cakes for birthdays, weddings, and other special occasions? So this tradition goes back to the Romans as cakes were used to celebrate weddings. And from what I've read, 50th birthdays of men, if they lived that long, but not women, we'd have to wait a couple thousand more years or so before we were celebrated with cake. Before the Romans, the Greeks prepared cakes with candles as an offering to Artemis. The cakes were said to be moon shaped and the candles were said to replicate the glow of the moon. Then if we move all the way up to the 18th century, we look to the Germans for our more modern version of birthday cakes. Birthday cakes were made in honor of a child's birthday and candles were placed on the cake and lit in the morning and they then burned until dinner. Today we put those candles on the cake, close our eyes, make a wish, blow them out. And isn't that a little bit of magic? You know, you're focusing on what it is that you wish for and that you're blowing those intentions. You know, you're blowing the candles out. You're blowing your intentions out with them. Some may say you're blowing the intentions out, but that is not how I think of it. I'm thinking you are creating that intention in your mind and you're blowing it out with your breath onto those candles. And then I imagine the smoke with my intention and it rising up into the universe. You know, this is so commonplace. We don't put a whole lot of thought into it as we go through the motions. So I think for my birthday this year, and maybe this is a challenge for you as well, you know, what if the next time we're celebrating a birthday, preferably our own, we put more intention into it. Maybe our magic starts by baking our own birthday cake this year. If you have the time, of course, we can begin by focusing our intention into the cake as we add all of those magical ingredients. For example, you know, we put our flour and that has so much earthy energy to it. You have sugar representing water and self-love, eggs representing our life force, how perfect for our birthday. And, you know, eggs have so many other magical intentions to them. Then you have your baking powder representing air and inspiration. It's the baking powder in your cake batter that expands those little air bubbles and causes your cake to rise a little bit. Maybe we add some chocolate for an extra dose of love or money in the upcoming year. We mix it all together all the while speaking your intention or your spell into it. And then finally we put the whole thing in the transformation chamber, add the element of fire and voila, we have magic. Maybe when it's finished, we think through our frosting ingredients with magical intention, you know, really putting the icing on the cake. Haha. And then there's the candles. What color or colors will you use? How about red for bringing some passion into your life or yellow for some confidence or inspiration, white for peace. Maybe it's a combination. Maybe you dress those candles in a magical oil. Just remember these candles are very small, so you only need the tiniest little bit of magical oil. And of course, make sure it's something that's safe in case it inadvertently gets on your cake. So now you have your cake ready you have your candles on it go ahead you light your candles and really think about what that intention is envision it before you blow out the candles so that's something that's fairly simple well maybe minus the making the homemade cake part for some people but this is simple and it's not going to seem that out of the ordinary to other people if they're celebrating with you Now, cake happens to be one of my favorite food groups, so I want to keep talking about it for just another minute or so. So what are some of the folklore practices associated with wedding cake? You know, where have some of those come from? I mentioned that cakes were used to celebrate weddings in ancient Rome. While, you know, wedding cakes may not seem that odd, maybe it is odd that the practice of the groom smashing the cake those cakes were made of barley, over the bride's head to make everything official may seem a little bit odd. Or, you know, maybe that's not so different than smashing cake into each other's faces in modern times. Or how about something not so modern like a British recipe for bride's pie that includes lamb's testicles? Yeah, lamb's testicles. I'm thinking I probably would have stayed single if that was required. Of course then, as time went on and sugar became more plentiful, cakes became more fanciful, and the wealthier you were, the grander the cake became. Queen Victoria's cake I think weighed in around 300 pounds, and a slice of that cake from 1840 sold at auction in 2016 for 1500 pounds. Which totally reminds me of the Seinfeld episode, and I know I continue to date myself in these podcast episodes, but if anybody remembers that one where Elaine goes ahead, she raids Peterman's refrigerator and eats a piece of, I think it was like $29,000 cake from Edward VIII's wedding to Wallace Simpson, you know, but but I digress. Anyway, so what's with the saving of a piece of cake? Well, saving a piece or the top tier of a multi tiered cake, freezing it, and eating it your one year anniversary is supposed to bring good luck. You know, my husband and I did that. Quite honestly, one year later, I think the cake sucked. Luckily for us, 20 years later, the marriage has been better than the cake. Another old divination tradition was baking charms into the cake. So maybe something like, ah, heart for true love or a clover for good luck or a wedding bell for the next marriage so when your guests ate their slice of your cake the charm that they got foretold their future and of course it all came true unless of you know they choked on the charm but that's a different story so there's a lot of magic especially folk magic baked into food you can look up the magical association with just about any ingredient in a text like Cunningham's or other charts of correspondences, mostly related to plants, because most of what we're talking about here in the baking and the cooking process, I'm talking about all the different plant ingredients. So let's switch gears before we wrap things up for today and talk about kitchen witching practices aside from the ingredients. One of the first things I learned when I was beginning my witchcraft practice was about stirring and the significance of the direction in which you stir. So stirring Diacil, that's with the sun or clockwise, or shins which is counterclockwise. When you stir Diacil, you're stirring something into the recipe. You're pulling in that positive energy or the energy that you're intending to add to the food. When you're stirring Wittershins or counterclockwise, you're expelling negative energy with it. So as you're cooking for yourself or for other people, think what's your intention while you're cooking. Begin thinking of that dish that you're preparing as more than just something to eat. Think of the energy in the food and what kind of energy you bring into the recipe just through your actions alone. Speak your spells as you're stirring, say that soup in your makeshift cauldron. And speaking of cauldron, Think about all of the tools that you have and you use in the kitchen that can be used with magical intention or carry special symbolism in our magic. Like cauldrons, you have cups and bowls. We use them to hold things. They bring things together. We create with them. Oftentimes when we look at the shape of a bowl, we associate it with that mothering energy and creation. Then there's our ovens, and I'm going back to that cake again for a minute. We're taking all of those raw ingredients, adding the element of fire, and a transformation takes place. Also, but now think of your oven and what happens if we apply too much fire? So either fire that's too hot or fire over too long of a period of time. The right amount gives us this beautiful, delicious transformation, but too much and you end up with a burnt dish where we end up burnt out. You know, how much is too much and when do we need to back off? So think of, again, the symbolism in that. What about where we store our food? I am so fortunate that I have an actual pantry in my house, so not just a cabinet. It's a door that you open and a little room that you go in, and it reminds me so much of my great-grandmother's, so it's it's a nice memory that I have. And I'm able to use that room to store all of my ingredients and tools in there. But how do I keep that space spiritually safe and protected and positive? What are some of the things that I can do? If I go back to Scott's book, one of the things that he suggests is keeping a rope of braided garlic or some chili peppers hung in and around the pantry to drive away any of those negative energies that, you know, wouldn't physically contaminate your food but energetically contaminate your food. So those are the things in everyday life that we can do to bring some magic and intention into it. Think of all of the other tools that you use that really are magical instruments. How about the spoon that you're using when you're stirring something? Could you use that as a wand directing your energy into the dish? The use of some of these tools are so routine that we don't even think about them. So my goal over this summer is to start thinking about them and bringing more intention into my everyday life. That's the part of witchcraft that isn't so driven by needing to get something done. And it's different than having, say, a morning ritual or practice, too. These are the ordinary, ongoing things every day. It's pausing in the morning and thinking about those magical beans going into my cup of coffee. What is being created there? What energy is going into that cup? Think of the transformation of that water. When I can really appreciate and reflect on all the magic around me, there is a certain comfort that I get. And it's different than any other comfort. To me, this is the secret to happiness. And the beauty of it is, is that when I can experience this level of happiness in the ordinary, I stop relying on the thought that happiness comes from other places, other things, other people. And when I can do that, I mean, really do that, you know, find that happiness in myself and the things right around me every day. Now I have something that I can give back to other people. And that, my friend, is what keeps the energy flowing. That's what is meant by filling your own cup. You have to be able to fill it from the inside. So I hope you take some time to reflect on those magical everyday things that make your heart happy. And until next time, stay witchy, my friend. Now before you go, I want to make sure that we stay connected. So go ahead, join my VIP list. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberly.com forward slash resources. The link will be in the show notes. And I want you to join my VIP list because when you do, you're going to have access to all of my free resources, the ones that are there now and the ones that I publish in the future. You're also going to have access to any upcoming offers, programs, courses, etc., that are going to come out. So I don't want you to miss that. I want to make sure that we stay connected. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and give the show a rating. That's so important, especially for newer podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time, I hope you have a most wonderful and magical day.